Welcome to Passports and Postcards, where we discuss everything travel. From cultural inspirations to exciting destinations and everything in between. With your host, Randall McKeown. Welcome to Passports and Postcards, and our guest today is Matt. Matt is an adventurer, a passionate human being, and a vivid storyteller. Welcome to Parkhouse, Matt. How are you? Hi, good morning, good evening. I'm great. How are you? I'm good. It's it's I'm excited it's to be here. Afternoon here. I'm not sure what time it is there in, in Athens, Greece. Yeah, it's about ten thirty in the evening. Almost time for bed. That's when no no, that's when, when life comes uh, alive here. <laughs> that's well, when the city wakes up. So is is that the case in Europe? Like, you know, most of the people I don't I've heard these things where the life does start like say after seven or eight o'clock and then everything comes alive and people just that's the best time to get out and yeah i think i think the locals they um and obviously all the tourists in summer um because it's quite hot during the day mm. they would normally start i think dinner time starts in the mediterranean countries around eight nine o'clock in the evening okay and then around 10 11 i think people would head into bars and clubs and and enjoy life I think we still have a curfew right now at 12 midnight, mm-hmm. um, which they're going to ease again. I think it depends on the, on the, on the COVID situation as well. Uh, but they had it quite well under control here, and the country is being vaccinated at a rapid pace. So it seems like things are you know under control here. So they might open up even further. Well, that's good to hear. We're still under state-home orders here in the province of Ontario and Canada. We're hoping those will be eased a little bit as we progress into June. I know they did open, the golf courses were closed. I don't know why, but they were closed and just reopened on the weekend. And splash pad, splash pads for the kids was open on the weekend as well, because again, it was very hot and humid on the weekend and um, pools are still closed. So kids needed somewhere to go. And I wouldn't swim in our lake. Okay. I wouldn't stand in our lake. <laughs> <laughs> but people still do. People still do, but I wouldn't. So I just want to welcome you to the show, Matt. And can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah, sure. I'm um, I'm originally, I'm an Austrian. I was born in Austria, close to the border to Switzerland. That's where I grew up. I was a drummer initially. I played in bands. Then something changed quite considerably when I was uh, around 19 or 20. I left to Australia. I wanted to play in a band, but I ended up in a in a resort hotel where there was no band. Like initially, I was told there is a band, <laughs> but when I arrived, there was no band, so there was nowhere to play. So I ended up um, just working in the hotel. I was working as a dishwasher, and then I became a waiter and a breakfast chef and and a barman. And this is how my initial travel career started. I, I went though back after two years to study business in Austria. And then I uh, started working in international hotel companies for about 15, 16 years, which brought me to many Asian countries. And I left in 2016 to join a little startup. We were doing medical uh, tourism from from our base in Singapore and and in uh, Bangkok in Thailand. Yeah, then I moved up to to China to follow my love. um, And I started sailing training sailing racing i mean my sailing career i think we we talk about this later started quite a bit earlier 
but I was working as a professional singer pretty much. Then I came a couple of years ago, uh, not in, like just before Corona, I came back to Europe. I had like a deep urge um, to come back kind of to my home continent. And uh, I ended up initially in Italy and now I'm, I'm based here in Greece. Well, that's good here. I did hear you mention a little bit about medical tourism and I know that within the industry, I've been involved in tourism for uh, about eight years. And uh, one thing that we were looking at, or I was looking at, was the medical tourism. So that is uh, that is part of the, the business. Um, I'm not sure what percentage of medical tourism makes up the whole, but I know a lot of people are looking for alternative places to go and have medical treatments done. And I know that Asia is one area that they look at. Um, oh, yeah. Because it's just cost-effective. It's uh, some people will go there for both for a medical procedure and also a vacation. So, yeah, it's very interesting. You can do that. Yeah, my Thailand is very popular. I think India is very popular too. You have people like Australians coming up to to Thailand. There are quite a few countries that are very popular, and the infrastructure is just incredible. I mean, the hospitals in Thailand are world class, and also a lot of Indian hospitals are, are world class. But we, we were doing at the time, we were sending people all around the world. Not, not so much in the North Americas. Our focus was more Europe and, and Asia. Okay. Now, what are some of the key takeaways you've learned from your life traveling and living in different countries and their cultures? Yeah. I, I met amazing people while I was out there in the world. And what I figured out is that if people... Like, I think we all heard that traveling opens up our minds. Um, you go to a different country and your, your, your view on life, your, your vision, it just broadens. You, know, you become more compassionate, more passionate. Um, your, your understanding for, for people just broadens. You know, your, your respect, your, um, yeah, your understanding of, of other people and other cultures. You're more open to to listen to other points of view, to understanding what does somebody else from a different viewpoint has to say instead of just trying to convince other people of what you have to say. Because people live in such various different circumstances that their upbringing and the way they've been educated throughout their life has such a massive impact on who they are when we meet them. And and it also, you know, a bit of self-reflection always helps, you know, what is my upbringing, where do I come from what is my culture and what has my culture taught me during my lifetime and if you you know fail or if you if you have no chance to go out and travel or if you're not open to to this and you might fall for and we all know know about the news that news at the end of the day is a business and they they share the news that sell you know it, it's of course mm-hmm. that you know the, the news outlets they say they they show us what is important, what what is you know the news of the day. But there is a lot of negativity in all of this, and we we hardly listen about the beauty of other countries and the people of these other countries. We hear mainly about politics and the different issues the politicians have with each other and the, how they run their countries. But if you end up going to these countries and you visit these places and you meet the people there, then you see that there are people just like you and me. And they all have their their worries, their fears, their opportunities. And they're like humans, just basic humanity is just such a wonderful thing. 
And I think we, we make it a bit hard sometimes ourselves by potentially, you know, sharing news amongst each other, which is not reflecting what is really happening on the ground. So, you know, I, I've been, I've traveled a lot in China. I lived in China. I never lived in Russia, unfortunately, um, but I met amazing Russian people. Some of my best friends come from Russia. And let's say if you are maybe based in a country that is a bit opposing to what's going on in Russia, you might have just a negative attitude towards Russia. But the people that live there, you know, to the normal people, right? Not the ones that probably run the countries. They're amazing. And this is what I learned, you know, by living in so many different countries, traveling many, many more, that just be open, suck it in, you know, be explorative, ask people um, about their upbringing, where they come from, how they live their life, what is important to them, how, how do they think their, their, their lives, how do they see it. And yeah, and that's, I think, what, what I want to share with people all this part of our talk today, but always in part of what I'm doing uh, nowadays as a, in, in my profession. Well, myself traveling 13 countries, I agree with everything you've said there. The fact that uh, it makes us realize when we get back home exactly what we have. And sometimes we, we forget that we're, we're somewhat privileged and we have to be respectful of the people. And not what we learn when we travel to is not just about the people, but their culture sometimes a religion. So we get to understand that a little bit because yeah, because where I live here in the greater Toronto area, it's a very multicultural city. And sometimes we're not aware of maybe even, you know, some people don't like to, their customers not to handshake. So like you might want to have to bow to them or whatever. And you just assume everybody shakes a hand and yeah. you might find that might be offended if they don't take your hand, but you have to understand that some cultures, they don't do that. So, Travel, I said, has always been the best education. As we move forward, um, and the world begins to open for travel, and we know that more and more people are wanting to travel. How do you feel about, you think travel is going to change in the future, like like as we open up? Good question. Um, I think there's a huge desire for people to go back out there and travel. I think what we missed out in the past 12, 14, 16, 18 months was, I think a lot of us made connections in the past, you know, through globalization. We made friends, connections all across the world, but also we wanted to, we got, you know, the media showed us pictures from beautiful places which we wanted to go and visit. A lot of us want to explore different cultures. You know, we want to open ourselves up to different um, ways of living, to different religious beliefs. So to open up our minds, right? It's in, I think it's, mm. it's part of the life spirit to, to do that. And what I see in, in my kind of business in, in, in boating and in yachting, that there was a huge upsurge of particularly young people who who, who they, they, they went on, on boats and they have YouTube channels. They, they might have podcasts, you know, showing to people when they go somewhere on a sailboat. And nowadays you can, you have people, they buy a boat for maybe 10,000 US dollars and they start exploring the world and they show it to the people through their channels. Um, and I see we saw a huge uptake on, on that part, on the boating part for the rest of travel. Um, 
I'm not sure, but it will definitely people. They're just so what, what I hear from all my friends from the industry, from the industry uh, service benchmarks uh, is that people that this summer is going to be, I, I can speak here for Greece. I think it's going to be very busy. If of course the, the, the pandemic, you know, yeah, yeah. That's, is, that's is the, the, that's the elephant in the room right now is that, that the pandemic. I know here in Canada, the Canadian U.S. border is still closed. A lot of people that I've talked to, especially Americans, feel the border should be open, but our government is we're having a difficulty here. We've got what we call a third wave. And, uh, you know, a couple of weeks of schools open, a couple of weeks of schools are closed, businesses are open, then they're closed. It's been like that for well, almost a year now, so we've, we're trying to get through this. I would love to see travel open up so that we can have visitors here and so I can go visit. Because as I said to people, they asked me, with the pandemic, how has it affected you? What's the thing you missed the most? And I said, my freedom to travel. Yes. You know, it's we have a passport. I got a passport. I like to use it. Yeah. I like to visit countries. <laughs> and I find when I travel, to me, it, it opens all my senses. And it teaches me to not just look at myself, realize that I'm just a, a clog in the wheel, that many, many people make up what's going on. So it's not just, I'm not, I can't just look at myself. I have to look at, at the world in general. So I've learned to be humble and I've also learned to be respectful. So I like to get oh, yeah. back out there. There's places I still want to yeah. see. I, you know, only 13 countries. There's more countries out there to see, so I want to do that. Now, I heard you talk about sailing, and yeah. you started sailing at a young age. You want to talk a little bit about your sailing and how has that sort of helped you progress to where you are today? Sure, yeah. Actually, I started sailing when I was, how old was I? I was 30 already. Um, I, I lived in Hong Kong at the time. I was working in Hong Kong. I was working in a hotel and I could see the sea in front of the hotel and all these big tankers going in and out of Hong Kong. And on the weekends, I could see the sailboats. And I was just, I come from Austria, a mountain country. We have a couple of lakes. We do have sailing as well, but I was never much into, into sailing as, as, as a child. So when I saw these boats in Hong Kong, I said, oh, I want to do this. I want to do this so much. Um, and then... Uh, came 2008, the world economic crisis. I was uh, unfortunately let go at the time by the hotel I was, I was employed at. And a friend of mine, he, he asked me one day in the office and said, you know, Matthias, what are you going to do next? And I said, I have no idea. I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> and then he says, hey, you know, a friend of mine, he participates in the sailing race around the world, which is called Clip Around the World. And I said, okay, show me, show me, show me. I want to know. I want to know about this. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, so I signed, up, uh, I signed on to this race, which starts in, in, in the UK, um, I think every two years. And they race with 10 boats um, around the world. Now, this, uh, the race is um, for amateur sailors. Uh, they are professional around the world races, but this particular race, the boats are a little bit heavier, I think more designed for amateur sailors. They have professional captains, professional skippers, and there's a professional organization around the boats. But you're going to meet people. Some of them have never sailed before, like me. Like when I started my training, 
my training for this. I, mean, I had to go through, I think it was four or five weeks of training. I initially was in Singapore for two weeks. And then I went to the UK, to Gosford um, in the south of the UK. There was another two or three weeks on the actual boats. And we, you know, we became a team and we got to know each other who's going to be on the boat. And then, um, and then, yeah, it started. Now, I didn't do the entire race. I raced from, I, I joined the boat in Australia and I went to Singapore and from Singapore to Qingdao in, in China and then across the Pacific Ocean in, uh, to San Francisco. And that was incredible. I mean, we went through five major storms and one hurricane. Now, I, I, I couldn't even remember any of this, but the, there was one of the skippers he won the race at the end. His name is Brandon Hall, and he wrote a book called Team Spirit about him leading his team and how they won the race. And in that book, he describes the experience in crossing the Pacific Ocean. And we did this in the north, not in the south, where you know have Hawaii or French yeah. Polynesia or that in the nice warm weather. Um, so that was my introduction into, into sailing. <laughs> Weren't you not afraid? You know, like I know you get all the training and everything, but here you are, yeah. you're going out in the middle of the ocean and the ocean is uh, not forgiving. It's, it's like you're out here, it happens, the weather happens, it changes. So you have to be on the ball all the time. So I know you got to training, but were you afraid at all? What, what I found, I found a lot of respect for mother nature. Um, okay. I, I think when you respect either people or nature or the ocean, when you treat it with the required humility, then it will not bite you. you know? There is always a chance that things can go terribly wrong when you are out in the in in in, um, in nature. But yeah, but I think what is required is that you are prepared and that you go there with humility and respect. And when we went through these storms, now I can't remember exactly. I think our captain, he didn't tell us all the time what we're getting ourselves into. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think we didn't always know what the hell was going on. Um, but we knew, we knew, for example, in one of the storms, one of the boats broke the mast and they had to motor half of the, half of the, um, the ocean. So from the middle of the Pacific Ocean until San Francisco, they were motoring because they didn't, couldn't put up any yeah. sails. And another boat lost all the communications equipment. There was a big wave coming over the boat. And it just basically you know, wiped it all off the boat. So for, I think about, about 24 hours, the race committee didn't know what happened to the boat. Like it could have been everything from the boat sunk yeah. to yeah, some, some satellite communications didn't work anymore. So the, uh, the U.S. Coast Guard sent out planes and they found the boat. And then they sent out helicopters to drop a, a VHF to them so they could communicate again with yeah. boats around them. So, yeah, so it, it can be quite scary out there in a way. Uh, <laughs> but you meditate a bit and you treat it with respect and it, it's fine. So after that first experience with your sailing, yeah. you continued to sail. Can you tell us about some of your, maybe your ventures? Yeah, Definitely. I well actually after after stepped my foot off the boat in San Francisco, I didn't go back on a sailboat for five years. Wow. It was really tough. It was really tough. It was cold. It was it was wet. I was tired, and I said, "No, never again." <laughs> but of course, 
<laughs> like many people say never again, you know, after a couple of years. Yeah, I started to have to have a dream pretty much. I, as part of my job, I was working at the time in, uh, I think it was in, in Bangkok. And I was sent out to New Caledonia, which is a, an island in the South Pacific. It's about two hours flight eastwards of, of Brisbane in Australia. And I went there a couple of times to help one of the hotels down there with their internal procedures. So I saw people down there. They were on a, on a tour around the world on their boats. And that was kind of that ignited in me. One day I want to do this as well. So I discovered that because I moved so much as part of my job, every now and then when I moved again from one country to the next one, I went through all my documents and I found a little certificate that I obtained when I did a training for Clip Around the World, which was I was a certified captain. However, I missed one exam to actually skip a boat myself, mm. like a practical exam. I had all the theory courses. I knew all the theory around sailing and skipping a boat, but I needed to do a practical exam. So I started to look at, I wanted to have, I wanted to get married. I wanted to have children and I wanted to buy a boat one day and take my, my family around the world. I saw how kids grow up nowadays, you know, when they're very young, three or four, spend a lot of time, unless you make a conscious effort as a parent, they spend a lot of time in front of iPads and playing games or whatever, because the parents don't have time for whatever reason. So I wanted to show my kids the world. So I started doing all the licenses to become a, to become a captain. Yeah, unfortunately, the family never came, the wife never came, and the kids never came. <laughs> I did, though, um, I, I went up to China. I was at the time uh, dating somebody who lived in, in China. She wasn't from China, but she, she lived up there. And together, we started to organize sailing trainings. We went to, to, to regattas, uh, participated in, in races, trained people, showed them what it's like to be on a boat and we participated in quite a few races. Unfortunately, that relationship didn't uh, last. And uh, after two years up in China, I, I decided to go come back to Europe. And what I needed, I was a bit drained at the time. I was, I was you know, after 20 years out there working hard and the relationship didn't work, work out. I said, okay, I need kind of a break. And then I found somebody who started a sustainable luxury catamaran company in in italy and they were looking for a captain for their boat so me with a hospitality background and having the captain i applied for the job and i got it so i i went to italy to an island called ischia which is a beautiful island next to capri and i was the captain there and now it was winter nothing was going on so i was alone on the boat and i could i thought I can chill here for, and I can think what I want to do next in my life. Now, unfortunately, three months later, they sold the boat to a new guy who wanted to have, who wanted to start a luxury catamaran business in Greece. So he came on the boat and we agreed that I'll continue working together with him. And I'm going to sail the boat from Italy over to Greece. So in February, 2020, I, I started my journey from Italy to Greece, which is another little adventure which we might <laughs> can talk later. I, I remember, which was amazing. It's, this is the amazing thing about, about Greece, in particular when you come here in winter. There's not much sailing going, going on here in winter. But if you are a bit adventurous, 
it is absolutely beautiful. You can be here on a boat in winter, sailing across the Blue Sea, and next around you are snow-covered mountains. It's absolutely stunning. It's world-class. I'm telling you, I've never seen this anywhere before in the world. And <laughs> so what happened, I was sailing down the Bay of Corinth, and uh, um, you might know the, the Corinth Channel, one of the, um, it's actually the most expensive channel in the world. It connects um, the Ionian Sea in Greece with the uh, agency in Greece. Uh, so there's a lot of history to this, to this channel, how over many thousands of years they were trying to figure out how they can, you know, cut through the, through the landmass at the yeah. time. Um, but they were like for hundreds of years, they were carrying boats across the land mm-hmm. because they couldn't just connect those two uh, water bodies, right? And anyway, so I, um, I came to, to Athens with the boat. I passed through the Corinth Channel. It was a beautiful experience. And I think two weeks later, the lockdown started here. <laughs> now, for me, it was like a blessing in disguise. Um, I know a lot of people suffered because of this. Um, and I want to show my respect to all of those out there. Um, for me, you know, I lived on a boat in a marina. Um, the lockdown so the rules here in Greece was that people are not allowed to leave their homes. They had to stay at mm-hmm. home. But my home was a boat and my extended home was a marina. So the entire marina was mine at the end of the day. I mean, there were a couple of, obviously, like the marina was quite big mm-hmm. um, and many other boats, but there were very few people actually living on their boats at the time. So I was very, very lucky. Living on a boat? And the thing about it is you were able to social distance. I guess you were protected where you were in that in that harbor there. The, uh, so from many of the elements. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, they have in, in Athens, they have like four or five marinas. All are very protected. I guess that's the... I think the, the main point of, of, of a marina is a, is a protected safe haven for boats in case there's a big weather coming. And if you, like, I remember when I was in Italy, we had a storm where I got really scared. <laughs> I got really scared. <laughs> like the waves, they were hitting the, like the wall of the marina. They were so huge. And they sprayed the entire boat uh, with salt water. And I was putting on my offshore gear and my life vest while being in the harbor <laughs> because I was afraid, you know, the wall yeah. might not hold, all the, yeah. the rocks broken and the boat might be pushed out of the, and, and I might, you know, end up somehow in my survival gear. So the, in, in the winter, in the Mediterranean, it can get quite violent. Um, there can be quite violent storms here as well. So here you're, you're, you're staying home. Is on your boat. So, what do you do while you're staying on the boat? Uh, some spiritual work, <laughs> self development. No, we had to. Uh, for us, it was we at the time, like last year in, in March, we didn't know how long this is going to take. Yeah. It was for me personally also the first pandemic of my life. I when I lived in Asia, I lived in Hong Kong, which was I went to Hong Kong in 2005, which was two years after SARS. Mm-hmm. So I heard what happened, but it, it didn't, you know, make much sense to me uh, not having experienced it, how it was, really was. So I remember last year 
you know, we were thinking, oh, it's going to take two, three months and it's going to be over. No one's going to talk about it anymore. So we were busy preparing for, for the season. The season starts in May normally. We had to repair an engine. We had to repair a couple of things on the boat. And so I was quite busy working, you know, getting the boat ready, mm-hmm. hi- hiring crew for the boat, uh, doing some standards and procedures. We, it was a, a, a nice, beautiful, quite big luxury catamaran. So we were supposed to have a chef on the, on the boat. So we hired, you know, we were interviewing a couple of chefs and it was, it was nice because they cooked really nice food for us, <laughs> which, we could, <laughs> which we could taste. <laughs> so we were quite lucky about it all. And, and yeah, obviously, you know, I was also interested in, in, in just the development of, of myself. So I, I spent a bit of time there. If I understand right, you are, you help people, not just in sailing, but I think you are like a motivator or sort of like a coach or leader. Did I understand it right in reading about you? And do you want to speak a little bit about that? Yeah, what, what happened was, so yeah, I nowadays I do work as a as a call it life coach, call it um, like business coach, executive coach. So I work with people that they have like a goal in their life, but they don't know how to get there. So I overcame quite a few challenges in my own life. I I faced my own fears, and honestly, I still do. There's still many things I want to do in my life, which I haven't done yet, and so. If somebody comes to me and they want to work on, you know, look at their life and see what how it's going. So normally people would, you know, they have success in one part of their life, but they are not happy with a certain how things go in another part of their life. They can be either, you know, I'm successful in, in my business, but my relationships don't work out, or you know, I've got a great relationships, but I would like to do something in business, which normally comes down all to the same. Basic, like it's we call it the inner game, which is like what is going on inside of me, yeah. inside of my heart. Um, and so I work with people on that. And and what I like, really enjoy doing, is when I go sailing with people. I think in order to to work on your inner game, like what is going on inside of you, you need to calm your mind. Like you really need to get away from it all. You need to silence the environment in order to silence what is going on inside of our mind. I guess a lot of people, they know this monkey mind, which is this chatter inside of our head, what we should be doing, how we should be, we should be beautiful, we should be successful, we should have a lot of money. And and all of these should, 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 right? (laughs) And (laughs) so in order to quiet all of this down and really look at what you can do in life, I I work with people, we take them out on, on a boat, and that just relaxes people a lot. And then, you know, they can open up. They can open up to what they want to do in life, what is important to them, what are they afraid of. And everyone is afraid of something. I think the biggest fear is not a fear of dying without having achieved in life what you wanted to achieve. You know, sometimes we are so busy that we completely lose track of what we wanted to do. And, and there are just amazing tools out there where you can work with people on on analyzing what is going on in their lives and how they can get where, where they where they want to get to and the combination with the sailing is something which um, I started this year and I'm gonna have uh, the next trip probably is going to be in September this year 
getting people out on the boat, getting them away from those things that are distracting. I think a lot of it has to do with too much television, too much social media, everybody's walking around with a, with this crazy yeah. device in their hand. Yeah, and it's yeah. like every people have the sound on. And every time there's a click, yeah. click, click, they have to go check. I yeah. keep my sound off. I'll get to it when I can. Because I realize that we have to be present for the people around us. Yeah. So if you're in a relationship and you're constantly on your phone, you're not in a relationship. Well, if you are, it's with your phone and not with the person that you're with. <laughs> but that's, uh, I want to, I want to talk to you about, is there places like, I know we've been, what has it been 14 months, 15 months, maybe that we've been locked down. And I know you have a lot of places you probably still want to see. You've already had some great adventures from what you've told us. Yeah. But can you tell us about things that maybe are on your bucket list or things that you're looking at? Like you talked about this one trip coming up in September. Um, you're hoping to have it going depending on where we are with, you know, yeah. the elephant in the room, as I'll call it, this pandemic. <laughs> So you can tell us a little bit about maybe what your 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 bucket list might mean might have on it. Yeah, I uh, I mean there, there are two major I think areas for me. One of them is I want to discover Greece. Greece has just so much to to learn, to see, to discover. They have here I think about three thousand islands and two hundred and twenty of them inhabited. Hmm. And how Greece has evolved over time is that they used to be small little city-states mm -hmm. who over time became a country. Last year, I went to visit ancient uh, Olympia, where they used to have the Olympic Games in prehistoric mm -hmm. times. And I, I honestly, I didn't know, but for a thousand years, this was like a thousand years, mm -hmm. they've been having Olympic Games every four years, but it was the different Greek states amongst each other. Probably some of you all heard like of Sparta. Yeah. Athens, Constantinople, and I mean, Constantinople at the time, I think it was part of the, the bigger empire here. And but through over these thousand years, they normally were always at war with each other. But every four years, they stopped the wars at <laughs> uh, the games, yeah, and played the games. And it was sport, right? And if you go to this historic site, it's an incredible, you know, place, it's beautiful. There's also uh, Delphi, which the people might know the Oracle of Delphi, which I visited last year. It is an amazing spiritual place. I find Greece a very, very spiritual country. Like the energy here, the energy of the mountains. Very few people know about how tall the mountains are here. They can be huge, massive. And a lot of the islands are quite, they have, you know, quite big hills on there as well. I get a lot of energy from the country here, from, from, from being out on the water, to being out on the islands, but also here in Athens. It's a very spiritual environment. And you have a lot of people come here for yoga retreats, for, for breath work, for, you know, for, for coaching and, and so on and so forth. So professionally, I want to you know, take people out here and show them around and, and show them and, and let them you know, get that energy inside of them. The second, I think for me personally, I like the world is an, an amazing place. The entire world is just an incredible, beautiful, amazing place. When it comes down to sailing, my dream, I know it, like the South Pacific is, is an incredible place, you know, a lot of people, but it's, it's really far away, away right? Mm -hmm. It's not easy to get there. Um, Caribbean, 
another amazing place um, with many beautiful islands and countries there. I'm more drawn to, and this might surprise you because initially you said you don't like the cold. I'm drawn to the cold. <laughs> so I, I want to go up to, I really want to sail the, the fjords of, of Norway, like Scandinavia. Okay. Yeah. Go up to Scandinavia. It's a beautiful place. And, and what, I think what, what people who've never sailed, what, what I want them to experience if they ever you know, dare to go on a, on a sailboat or they get a chance to go on a sailboat, just go. Because going to a place from, sea, from the seaside is such a different experience to going to a place from the land side. So if you go, for example, to the UK, to the south of the UK, and you drive your car into a town that's on the seaside, beautiful experience. Now try the same from the seaside. And then another incredible, beautiful experience. A different one experience, right? Um, I recently was in, um, in Bonifacio in Corsica. I was sailing from France down, and that town is incredible. There's a very small slot between rocks that goes into the harbor of, of Bonifacio. This is where Napoleon, I think, was born. And the t- actual town is on, on the top of a huge rock. <laughs> now, coming from the French side, you don't see the town. But if you come from the Sardinian side, which is just across the, the, uh, the water there, you can see, you know, the town towering up there on the mountain. It's, it's incredible. It's beautiful. But there's so many places, you know, the Portuguese coast, um, the, the British uh, coast. Unfortunately, I've never seen the, the French northern like Atlantic coast because normally people, they don't sail across um, down the, the coastline. They would just cross the, the Bay of Biscay down to Spain, but I sailed in, in the south of the UK, incredible. I would love to go to Ireland, but at the moment, what I really want to do, I've got a friend, she's in Oslo, and she's got a boat, she lives on a boat, on a small boat, <laughs> it costs her $6,000, so <laughs> it's not a very luxurious boat, <laughs> and we said, you know, one day we'll, we'll sail up the fjords, and that's like my, my dream at the moment. Sounds like a, a good thing to have on your bucket list. I know as for Ireland, I, I've been there, but I've I've looked at the Cliffs of Moher from the top. I would like to see it from the water side, like sailing towards it. That would be pretty massive to see those cliffs that uh, I think take about 400 feet from the water up to the top. So even, even the Cliffs of uh, Dover in, in England, those would be nice to see. And as you said, the fjords, the fjords in Scandinavia, um, it reminds me, well, I haven't been there, but uh, I've been in Newfoundland and they have uh, these bays or coves or whatever, which I would sort of describe as fjords, uh, similar to what they would have in Scandinavia. So there are a lot of places in the world to sail because if we look at the world, there's more water than there is land. Yeah. I also also want to give all my respect to people that travel on land. I mean, you know, there are people, they they travel to places by plane, by car, by bicycle. My due respect to all everyone who is doing that. I have to say that uh, I've been, as a child growing up, my grandfather was from from Newfoundland. He was a fisherman. So we spent a lot of time on the water, and it didn't matter what the weather was, even in the lakes. And sometimes they can get pretty rough when you're out in a little tiny boat. But we go out fishing, all the time fishing. And it's like, whether it be cold, whether it be warm, whether it be rough, whether it be calm, 
were out there. So I sort of came to enjoy being on the water, being around water. Yeah. I really didn't enjoy catching fish and bringing it to land and cooking it right away. I've I've really had a pleasure talking to you today. Now, is there anything else you would like to discuss before we we end the show today? Well, I think one one other story which I prepared, which I might want to share with people, is I had once the unique opportunity to go to Angkor Wat, which is uh, I think the largest religious temple area in the world, and it's a unique site. There, at the time, I, I was actually participating in a cycling race. There, it was a charitable cause. So everyone who participated had to raise some money for a charitable cause. I think it was called Bike for Kids. And a lot of these Southern, Southeastern Asian countries are, are still, you know, in, in development mode, let's put it this way. So if people, I think there's still a lot of people drawn to Southeast Asia to discover Southeast Asia like Cambodia, Vietnam, um, and, and obviously quite a few other countries there. And I can just recommend to everyone, Angkor Wat is certainly worth uh, visiting. It's, an, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. Well, Matt, what I'm getting from just listening to you today is you're a spiritual sailor. You've, yeah, I'd say so, yeah. <laughs> you're looking for your spirituality, and maybe you've found it, but the sailing... Sailing is your calling, even though you didn't think you'd be a sailor. You were meant to be a sailor. And I think sometimes we don't know the direction our lives are going to take, the paths they're going to take. I always say they're predetermined for us. So even We don't even see it coming to us sometimes because it is a path that's already designed and planned out for us. And we just have to take the journey, enjoy it and be happy along the way or find happiness on the way. And, and again, if it's through spirituality, why not? If it's through, for me, I have a, for me, it's food. <laughs> I just, I love tasting. And I love, I'll be honest with I'm going to be honest with my listeners and honest with you is um, there was, there's a point in my life where I, I really couldn't be near people. Because when I hear a lot of people, for some reason, they're negative. A lot of people that have been around. And when I listen to what their complaints are, minor little issues. Mm. You know, they, I'll give you an example. I have one lady who was, uh, I was talking to, she was upset that she couldn't get more money in her job. Like she couldn't get a raise. She had a beautiful house. Three beautiful children. They were all healthy. Husband was working. He was healthy. Healthy relationship. They had a cottage. They travel. And she was the type of person that would buy her lunch every day. Rather than make a lunch and bring it to work, she would buy her lunch every day. And she would come to me and say, I need more money. And I'm looking at her and going, you don't need more money. You just need to know where you're spending your money. Yeah. Maybe spend less. <laughs> I always say the way to get more money is to spend less. Because yeah. if you're That's working, if you're working, the best way to save money is to spend less. But I think, so sometimes, I, and this is my saying, and I'll say it here, we can hear it is, I may not have all that I want, but I have more than I need, and I'm blessed. Mm -hmm. 
I want to thank you for coming on today. And it was thank great you. that great that we were introduced. But you go ahead. You have something you want to say. Yeah, because what you just mentioned, I think it fits a, a quote which I love, what you just mentioned before about um which is about happiness. And it's it's said by a gentleman called Jung Pueblo, and it goes like this. Like they ask her, what is real happiness? And she answered, happiness is not fulfilling every pleasure or getting every outcome you desire. Happiness is being able to enjoy life with a peaceful mind that is not constantly craving for more. It is the inner peace that comes with embracing change. I find this very beautiful. That is perfect. I really appreciate that. I've had a great time speaking with you today. And thankful that we were introduced. I hope maybe in the future I can have you back on the show. We'll talk about as things open up and as you maybe get on your first selling adventure there in September, get back from that. We can talk again, see how things are going. But it's been very interesting. I've made a connection here. Appreciate everything you provided our listeners with. Any final thoughts? I just would like to thank you. It's been really enjoyable, really enjoyable. And everyone who is listening, you know, get out there, enjoy life, meet people, speak to people. Yeah. Looking for more travel inspiration? Why not head over to Amazon and search the host Randall McEwen that is Randall with two L's, last name M-C-K-E-O-W-N, and his books, The September to Remember, a story of survival while traveling England, France, and Ireland and having his passport stolen in France, losing his luggage on his way from London to Dublin, and then being away in Ireland during the attacks of 9-11. Or check out Gonzalo Guerrero, Travel Insights with Randall McEwen as he explores beautiful Cancun, Mexico, and the wonderful hospitality of Antigua and Barbuda. Both books available on Amazon. Thank you for listening to Passports and Postcards. Give us a 5-star rating, a great review and subscribe or follow. If you would like to be a guest on the show then send a message to the host randall.mckeown at podvault.ca.